Hello and welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan. Let me introduce my co-hosts, Rob. Hello. And Anthony. Greetings. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about our top picks from the past year. So releases from 2021, whether they be album releases or books or films, we're going to be talking about what we have enjoyed this past year and what we recommend people dig into. So we're going to do a little round robin thing here. Who wants to start us off? So I'll start with an album. Um, it's a band I've always enjoyed since I was probably 14 years old. And they have been going for over 40 years at this point and are proving that they can still deliver the goods. And that is Iron Maiden with Senjutsu, which I think yes. is one of their strongest releases in probably the last 15 years. Um it's a really, really solid album, and one of the tracks, Hell on Earth, for me, is up there with the very best tracks they've done. So I was really, really excited for that to get released. I'm looking forward to them touring it. I saw they've announced some US dates. They haven't yet mm -hmm. announced an Atlanta date. Um, and of course, obviously, with everything going on with COVID right now and the Omicron variant, I guess everything is pretty tentative anyway. But mm -hmm. that's a strong 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 contender for my album of the year i knew you would pick that one it was almost <laughs> on my list but i knew that you would name it okay so let me ask you a question how do you compare this to the last album book of souls which i've also thought was an incredibly strong album so book of souls for me is a little spotty um it has some great great tracks but I don't think it needed to be a double album. They needed to well, self-edit a little. Some of those songs could have been shorter. Um, there was one track, uh, uh, I think it was Empire of the Skies or something like that, was hugely bloated. It was unnecessary. Um, but equally, it does have one of my favorite tracks of the modern Maiden era as well, which is The Red and the Black, which is a lot of mm. fun. Yeah. But I, I just felt like Senjutsu was overall a more coherent album, much stronger start to finish and i think that's because they took their time over it a bit more and actually self-edited and i think as they've got into these later stages of their career they've gone more and more proggy and prog can be a little self-indulgent and i say that as a massive prog fan um but i, I think someone sat them down and went guys you know you've you got to rein it in a little here rob what's your first <laughs> entry on the list well, I just want to say, you know, what year? Oh, 2021. That's right. Um, I kind of get track of the year. It's been an amazing year across the board for books, documentaries, and records. It's one of the few years that it's all kind of aligned that way. Um, so I hate lists. I have to do a bunch of these. So I wrote them all down. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to start with, you know, just under the radar. I loved, as much as I loved the Idols record and the Mogwai record that both came out this year. Um, I want to talk about the Umbrellas. They're from uh, San Francisco, and their album is self-titled, and it sort of has that sort of like C86 jangle pop kind of thing going on. Um, it's a complete 180 from what Anthony picked, um, but uh, they've just got this really sort of simplistic kind of kind of sound, and uh, Ronnie Spector would want to grab them and put them in the studio, I think, if <laughs> you know before before he went nuts. So I'll go with that. All right. 
I had a couple of things in mind that I was going to select until I realized that they actually came out in 2020. One of them was the third Haim album, which I thought was really, really groovy. I dug it. So sticking to 2021, I wanted to A, do original stuff. I didn't want to do because there were a lot of reissues that came out this past year that I was super into. So I didn't want to do any reissues. I wanted to only do newly recorded, newly made things. Um, and I'm kind of like having a last minute debate about what my first pick should be. I think I'm going to go with technically a new artist. He's actually been around the block for a while. Um, but this is his first album under a group name, but he recorded every note and word on the album himself. And that is uh, Wolfgang Van Halen with his mm. quote unquote band Mammoth WVH. Uh, their first album, his first album is it, it's not as Van Halen-y as you might expect it to be, um, which is good because he needs to. And he's very determined to establish his own identity and not necessarily cash in on the, I mean, he toured for, you know, a few years in Van Halen. So he certainly could not only by birth, but by his own activity in the band rely on the Van Halen legacy, but he doesn't. And he's gone on to create this new album that I think is incredibly strong and, um, it's, it's one of those albums that the material works incredibly well live. So I think that it's going to, um, he's got a tour coming up um, and with a band. And I think it's just going to flatten people in the aisles of whatever venue they play. So I'm super excited to hear this stuff live, but also to have more people sort of like glom onto this album. Cause I think it's really, really great. And as we go through this, a lot of my picks are just going to be straight ahead rock and roll. So <laughs> nothing surprising in my picks. So Anthony, what you got next? All right. So I'm going to go in a completely different direction from my first choice. Excellent. And I am going to go with Marina with ancient dreams in a modern land. Mm. And Marina is an artist I have absolutely adored for basically since her first album. I saw her in a tiny underground venue in Bloomsbury in London back in 2010. Uh, she does this wonderful blend of kind of, it's it's pop music, but it's very quirky. Uh, it's very lyrically interesting. She sings a lot of, about a lot of kind of current issues, a lot about, as you would expect from a female solo artist, a lot about kind of female empowerment, that kind of thing. But, there's something about her songwriting that I just find incredibly fun. She doesn't really feel bound by any real conventions of what you would expect of a 2010s, 2020s artist. And she's been compared in some quarters to kind of Sparks, interestingly. Um, and her latest album, Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land, hit, I want to say it was in around May. And again, it really scratched that itch for me. Her, her previous album, Love and Fear, felt a little overproduced, a little over-collaborative, and it felt a, a little off from what I think of as her trademark sound. This was more of a return to what I would expect from her. It evolves from previous albums, but it, it sits back into that kind of quirky um, vibe that you get from her. And it 100% it feels like her record 
but it doesn't feel like it's been co-produced. It doesn't feel like it's been co-written. And several of the songs, Purge the Poison, the title track, Man's World, have just been really running round and round on my playlist ever since they hit. And for me, it's absolutely one of my favorite albums of the year. And I'm so disappointed that I have to wait until next year to get my hands on the vinyl edition of it. Which is strange that it's that much delayed from the initial release. So she wanted to do like a glow in the dark vinyl, and I suspect that's what's delayed it. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Okay, Rob. So I'm going to take uh, from South London and uh, a band called Dry Cleaning. Uh, they met at the Royal Academy of Art and um, they put out a single in 2020 that was really good and the album was really anticipated. And, you know, when a band signs to 4AD, I tend to listen to it a little more carefully just because of the, the legacy of the label. But they have this whole like murky post-punk thing going on that really works. They've got, you know, a song called uh, Viking. They've got you know, a couple other tracks that are just really sort of loud, but they're also well-constructed. So it's kind of like, it's indie, but there is actual song structure there. It's not like indie, look, we're cool, we have guitars. Um, but they, they pay attention to melodies and they craft songs. And um, it's like well-crafted, you know, it, it's kind of like if you take your grimy hand and put it across a window, but then you organize what the grime looks like, that's what it sounds like. Um, and they're really, really interesting. And um, it, it took a while to get a really good indie record this year that sort of like stuck with me, but I'm gonna go with that. I, I looked them up as you were talking, Rob, and I see that they are often described as Annette Peacock fronting The Fall or Pearl mm -hmm. or Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. That's quite the uh, the description. The Susie, the Susie sound, the early Susie sound is definitely there. And okay. there, there's times when they've got that weird sort of scattered vocal delivery that Mark Smith had. Um, yeah. So my next pick, um, and I realized too late that uh, reorganizing my list on the fly means that I now have two picks in a row that have a connection to Eddie Van Halen. So my second pick is going to be the brand new solo album from Nancy Wilson of Heart. Um, she got a lot of press off of this for a couple of reasons. One, a lot of people talking about this being her first solo album, which it isn't. She actually has done a couple uh, of different types before. One was a live album uh, recorded at a guitar shop um, in 1999 called Live at McCabe's. And it was a fantastic album of her, just her and either an acoustic guitar or a mandolin and playing like heart songs and her own songs and brand new songs that she was uh, playing live for the first time. And it was a phenomenal record. Very pure, very honest, very direct. It was great. She also did an album of acoustic guitar pieces for kids called Baby Guitars. So this is technically her third solo album and her second studio solo album. And it's just fantastic. It is a mix of new original material and uh, very carefully selected covers. One of the key tracks on the album is her cover of Bruce Springsteen's The Rising, which she was inspired to do after she saw the, the Bruce Springsteen Broadway show, where it's just him and a guitar telling stories and playing his songs. And she was just knocked out by it. She saw it twice. And uh, so that inspired her to cover The Rising. 
Uh, of her new songs, there's one that's dedicated to her mother who recently passed away. And uh, the one that got the most press was this uh, the story that she has told for a while now about the you know earlier days in Hart when Hart and Van Halen would sort of cross paths on their tours. And Nancy and Eddie would hang out and, and just play guitars and talk guitar and, you know, just be cool with each other. And uh, they were talking and he admitted to her that she, she asked him something about, well, why don't you ever like compose songs on an acoustic guitar? And he says, I don't even own an acoustic guitar. And she was like, that cannot be true. We are changing that right now. And she dragged him off to a guitar shop and they bought it an acoustic and uh, well, actually, no, I think she gave him one of hers. That's what it was. Um, so he called her on the phone later that night and played for her a, a, a piece that he composed on acoustic guitar and sort of dedicated to her. And so the, the closing track on her new album is called For Edward, and it's an acoustic piece that she has now composed in his honor. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful album with a couple of great guest stars on it. Um, Duff McKagan is on it and you know it's just it's just a really killer album Sammy Hagar makes an appearance um, so I highly recommend it and uh, like my first pick has an Eddie Van Halen tie-in which was unintentional when I put my list together so Anthony what you got all right so I'm going to take us back to the world of metal for me yes now. and I'm going to pick a live album and it is Ailstorm with live in Tilburg. And if you are not familiar with Ailstorm, they are one of the most ridiculous bands I've ever heard. They're incredibly silly. They do what they describe as pirate metal. And most of it is about getting drunk, um, getting drunk and getting drunk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <the> theme. <laughs> yes. I mean, just just to give you an idea, one their current album um which is not the one I'm talking about, but their last album featured a song called Shit Boat No Fans. And the chorus was uh, the repeated line of your pirate ship can eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> so they are they are very, very silly. They are a phenomenal live act. And this is probably one of the best produced live albums I have ever heard. It sounds absolutely massive. The mix is phenomenal. You really you know close your eyes and you can imagine being there and mm. the banter they have with the audience is a lot of fun and the set list really feels like their kind of greatest hits um at their silliest right from when they start with keelhauled and right the way through the set it's just a ton of banter it's a ton of ridiculousness and i absolutely adore it it's there's no one else out there like them and for me they are a live band and that album really really captures them at the height of their powers very silly very enjoyable interesting when you first started talking about it i i thought you were saying hailstorm no that's who, a different band who this, are incredibly not silly <laughs> no, no this is this is ailstorm right. H. right hence the getting drunk part yeah, I mean, there's literally one of their songs uh, called Drink. The chorus goes, uh, we are here to drink your beer and take your rum at the point of a gun. So, you know, <laughs> it's um, they're, they're very drunk, very silly, um, very, very funny. How did you come across this in the first place? 
So a friend of mine um, who is in a band here in Georgia called Dead Rights, he was listening to listening through all of the big metal releases last year and recommended their last studio album to me. He said, look, came across this. I think it's hilarious. It seems like it's right up your street because I, I love power metal. I love that kind of melodic guitar with soaring vocals kind of thing less of the screaming and he heard it and just went this this seems like it's right up your street you need to listen to it and i just fell in love with them from that point on all right rob what do you have uh i'm gonna jump on the fourth album from a band from bristol called idols um they made this record after having kind of established themselves a bit of a of a court they've carved out a nice little corner of yelling and screaming and being angry little kids and then with this record, they just sort of said, okay, we're going to completely be a different band and completely broke from their sound a little bit. And um, again, they're well-constructed songs. It's well-produced, but it's not as visceral as their first three records. It's still got the very pointed lyrics and it's still very much a focused um, direction of what they're talking about, but it's not as angry and um, you know punchy. It's a little more subdued, but it's, it's, a, it's a nice little record, so... Interestingly, Rob, I came across them not through that album, but they contributed a cover of The God That Failed yes, to the, the Metallica, Metallica Blacklist. It's great. Yeah. 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 Really, really good. And Definitely it's a, worth it's, checking out. And I think also, too, it was different, but yet still faithful. To, I know this sounds weird. At the same time, it was different than the Metallica version, but still faithful to it as mm -hmm. well. There's a lot of really great bands on that Metallica tribute record. I, it, it was nearly in my top five. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's such a good little collection. I say little. It's like 40 tracks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next one is a documentary that came out uh, early this year, and it's called Summer of Soul. Damn it. Okay. Oh, oh is that on your list? <laughs> yeah, hold on. No, it's okay. I got a bunch more, so we're good. I knew one okay. of us was going to talk about it. Oh, my gosh. This is an, it's just a phenomenal yeah. documentary. It's put together by Questlove. It is a, a festival in 1969 uh, that was put on by the Harlem Cultural Festival. And it was basically called the Black Woodstock. And uh, it, it, was it was filmed in its entirety. And then the film literally sat in a basement and no one saw it or did anything with it for all this time, for like the past 49 years. And until Questlove, I don't know, I don't know the backstory on how he came to this, but Questlove got the footage, watched through it, put it all together, uh, mixed it with uh, commentary about the historical figures and events that were happening at the time of this festival. Um, it features performances by folks like Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson, Nina Simone, yeah. The Fifth Dimension, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Sly and the Family Stone. It is just incredible, um, it, and it's so interesting. Even from like a like a the perspective of staging a festival like this, because a they had to they had a couple of different criteria for where they could do this. One, it had to be a space that was big enough to put this stage and to hold a really large audience, but they were on a limited budget. So they had to also have it in a place where the festival would take place during the daytime and the sun 
they basically didn't have money for a lighting rig. So they had to have the stage where it would be facing the sun the whole day so that it would be lit. I mean, that is just incredible. But the performances, one of the cool things that Questlove did with this, and I think there was only two cases of it in the actual documentary, where he would get the performers who were in the show to, he sat them down and showed them the footage of their performance. And it was their first time seeing it. And he records their reactions to seeing themselves 50 years ago. And it was, it's just an incredible, incredible show. So I highly recommend this. Even if you're not a soul fan, R&B fan, gospel fan, watch it because there are legendary figures in this concert. And, doing yeah. a legendary performance that has never been seen until now. And I that Stevie Wonder drum solo. Holy Moses. Is worth the whole thing. It really is. I never knew that yeah. Stevie Wonder. I mean, there's a couple of figures, you know, like Karen Carpenter. You never you you would never think of Karen Carpenter as a badass drummer, but she actually is. And Stevie Wonder, who does everything, also is a badass drummer. So Watch it just for that. It, unbelievable, unbelievable show. All right, that's me. Uh, so I'm going to go something different again, not metal, and that is Stephen Wilson with the Future Bites. Mm-hmm. Now, if oh, you, I thought that would be on your me, list. <laughs> yeah, and anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of Stephen Wilson. I think the man is genius. a genius. I recently counted up the number of albums he has contributed to as a main performer. So this is including things like Porcupine Tree. And in his 30-odd year career, he's contributed to 50 studio albums. 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not even including his enormous production discography as well. And uh, he dips in and out of so many different styles. And The Future Bites was really interesting to me because he went a bit more electronic with it. Uh, There are times when uh, in certain songs, he almost even sounds like he's channeling Depeche Mode. Um, You definitely get that on something like Personal Shopper. Whereas if you listen to a track like Self, you hear a little bit of Bowie in there as an example. And so he's just a really, really interesting songwriter. And I was listening to an interview with him where he was talking about the songwriting process and his opinion of music these days. And he says he is very bored by what everyone is doing with the guitar right now. And that the guitar needs a radical reinvention in the same way that other instruments have been through in the last 20 years. And he was talking about how a lot of the interesting sounds, because he's a very um, kind of soundscape type guy, is coming out of electronic music and urban music. And those are his influences for something that's ostensibly not an urban album and not a pure electronic album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he gets Elton John to do the voiceover on Personal Shopper. Uh, how cool is that? Um, <laughs> so it was originally meant to come out in 2020. Uh, it was postponed when he realized he wouldn't be able to tour and properly promote it. And then as the pandemic continued to rage on, he kind of went, screw it, I'm just going to drop the album not tour for it and put all of my energy into my next two albums, one of which will be a secret collaboration, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, more on that when we talk about what we're looking forward to in 2022. And the next one will be his next solo album. So 
very disappointed that I won't get to see the Future Bites toured. But for me, very, very strong contender for album of the year. Um, absolutely fascinating album, really enjoyable. And, uh, you know, just another piece from one of the biggest geniuses in modern music that most people have never heard of. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I remember um, when uh, Personal Shopper was the lead track from it. It was the first single released. And right. I remember hearing it. I mean, the night that it came out, uh, a friend posted the link to it. I didn't even know that it was happening and immediately listened to it and was so drawn in. It's mm -hmm. such a cool track. It, it, and what, it it's unexpected and what was genius about it is it's basically all about unbridled capitalism and you know buy for comfort buy for kicks buy and buy until you're sick he yep. released it on black friday yes. in 2019 yes uh 2020 <laughs> sorry 2020. 2020 right so you know he has a real flair for you know making a statement as well which i think really adds something to his songwriting absolutely okay rob so in a year when there were like amazing music documentaries, mm. um, I, the Sparks Brothers, Edgar Wright documentary on Sparks mm -hmm. is pretty great. It does one of the few things that a lot of music documentaries don't do is that you may never have heard Sparks, but by the end of the movie, you're in love with them. And they also have been around long enough that they literally have done everything in terms of like styles and, and in, like literally they don't care whatever they're influenced by at that moment is the record you get he got a huge amount of people to talk about sparks and connect the dots of why they're important but also he talked about their music and why it's important but then he also shined the light on them a little bit because you're with that documentary they're so bizarrely strange that you could just make a documentary on them being bizarrely strange but he was restrained in that way that edgar wright usually isn't and um, really made it sort of this heartfelt, interesting documentary about this really intriguing band. And um, they, it did well enough they're touring, which they haven't toured in a while. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting, Rob. I Bringing it back to one of my earlier picks, apparently Edgar Wright sent that his documentary to Marina and said, mm -hmm. I think you'll like this. And she had never actually heard of Sparks before, despite everyone drawing comparisons between mm -hmm. her songwriting and their songwriting. So she resolved to watch it and see, you know, try and figure out what everyone was talking about. But um, I love that that he's really pushing it and getting it out to people that he thinks would appreciate it as well as the broader public. I mean, he's like you know? really into Sparks. I mean, it's like it's paint. I mean, it's it's really nice too to see a documentary where like they treat the subject with reverence, but also this like sort of fanboy giddiness about it, you know, mm -hmm. without being heavy handed. It's just it's, you know, in a year when like the whole world was just a mess, it was like really light and refreshing to have that. Yeah, I, I could wax lyrical about Sparks. I think they're they're an absolutely fascinating. They're, yeah, I'm so, yeah. These stage personas they've built for themselves, you, you kind of see them on stage and yeah. Ron has that very like dour, serious look. And then you hear him in an interview and he's warm, he's humorous, he's very, very enjoyable to listen to. And it's like the polar opposite from how he presents himself on stage. Yeah. And they and they follow them to like, this is where we go get coffee every morning. And, you, and you're like utterly fascinated by it. Yeah. <laughs> It's on my list to see. I have not watched it yet. But you should I've go heard... see them when they come to Atlanta. You really I, should. I, I would love to do that. 
I, I, I think I will. Um, depending on where they play and what's happening at the time, and you know. Okay, so my next pick is uh, an, another band that I've been into for a long time since '77, and it's Sticks and their new album, mm. Crash of the Crown, which um, it follows from their 2017 album, The Mission, which I thought was amazing. I th the way that I kind of rank my Sticks albums is Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight from 77 and 78, and The Mission from 2017 are my top three. Those are like essential Sticks albums. So Crash of the Crown follows on from The Mission. It uh, came out uh, in June this past year. And it's kind of interesting in that they, I don't think they're really shooting for, I mean, they're, they're, their marketing at this point is really their tour. They play a lot of the the new material on their tour alongside all their big hits because they know they're not going to get radio airplay. They know they're not going to get coverage in the press like they used to. They actually did for the mission, but not not quite as much for this album. It got really good reviews, though, um, and it sort of leans a little more heavily on their prog influences. And uh, there's some really interesting songs on it. The first single that was released was the title track. And it's, 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 a, it's a great song. And for under four minutes, it completely changes style, tempo, and lead singer three times during the song. So it starts out uh, with JY doing a pretty straightforward, well, actually, no, it's in like 7-8 or something, um, goes into a 6-8 section with Tommy singing and ends with a big grandiose section with Lawrence singing. And it's, it change it just continues to change throughout this court. And it seems like it's a much longer song than it actually is. And then it stops and you're like, well, that was barely over three and a half minutes because so much stuff happens in it. It's fascinating. Um, but a lot of really killer tracks on it, like a monster, which is the second song really really interesting stuff and their drummer currently uh who's been in the band for like 20 years now todd sukerman is my favorite drummer who's working right now he is just an incredible incredible technician he's got incredible feel he is just he blows me away um so i highly recommend this if if you are a sticks fan who digs stuff like you know come sail away and that kind of stuff this might not be for you but uh if you love their kind of rock their kind of harmony and you understand you know sort of the prog leanings that they have at times i think you'll really enjoy it anthony what's your next one so my fifth and i guess last choice is uh by a band called Ephanemer, who i talked about the first time i did a show with you on music alan they are a french melodic death metal band um and for those of you who are thinking what the hell is melodic death metal <laughs> that is where you take kind of the harmonies of something that you would hear on a band like iron maiden or judas priest or even something like halloween um and marry it up with aggressive growled vocals and what i like about a and their, their latest album, A Dream of Wilderness, is the lead singer, Marion. She has started introducing a little bit more melody into her vocals, so it's not entirely screamed. And on top of that, the, the music they put out is not just 
Iron Maiden-esque, but it's also very symphonic. They use a lot of strings in there. I don't know whether they actually get, um, you know, musicians who played string instruments or whether it is all done through synths and, and keys and so on. But it makes for a very, very interesting and different album. I, I've slowly started getting more interested in that kind of extreme metal as long as it has some melody somewhere. And for me, here that's in the instrumentation. And I I wanted to hate them the first time I heard it because traditionally I have not liked screamed vocals. Um, but I, I couldn't stop listening to them. And that was with their previous album, Procopton. And then here, again, it came out, Spotify alerted me, I started listening to it. And again, wow, uh, there's an intensity to it. There's a progginess to it. It's, it just makes for some really, really interesting music. It's very technical in places um, and just very, very well produced and put together. Well, that sounds interesting. Okay, so for people who are listening who are intrigued by what you've just said and want to investigate more, what letters should they type into, say, a Spotify search bar to find this band? So the band is called Ephanemer, and they are spelled A E P H. A-N-E-M-E-R. Or what's probably a little easier, and I'm just actually very quickly going to check that it works, is the album title, <laughs> A Dream of Wilderness. And lo and behold, uh, I put it in Spotify, comes straight up as the top list for me. So uh, top of the list. So yeah, you can find them through that as well. Excellent. I remember you... Uh, recommending them to me once and I listened to it and I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, that would probably have been their previous album. Um, I think so. I think, yeah, I think um, you're right. And the, the one thing I will say is while they are French, they do mostly sing in English, although at times it's a little heav heavily accented. Excellent. Okay, Rob. I'm so glad he did that because now I don't feel like a weirdo. Um, so I'm picking a record called Everything by uh, a band called Blankenburge. Uh, they met in Siberia and just started making sounds and then relocated to St. Petersburg where they're based now. But if you're a fan of like shoegaze or like dream pop sort of ethereal stuff, um, you'll love them. They did a couple um, releases that probably the most popular thing they did before this record was their cover of Pictures of You by The Cure. And uh, they just have this sort of like, I mean, yes, they come from Russia, but it sounds like, you know, there's either two things they're going to sound like. They're either going to sound like, or they're going to be really sort of like cold. And they sound really cold and dream poppy. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, like a more dense cigarettes kind of thing, or like um, ride with more feedback. Um, but it's just really, it's really an interesting record. And um, one of the things I loved about this year is um, as much as my brain just absorbs music, I got to really listen to stuff from just pulling it all over the place. And I never would have found this, you know, in a regular year. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> so my fifth one um, is a book that I'm currently reading that has just come out very recently. And it's called, uh, okay, we, we were talking about um, Summer of Soul. Uh, film produced by Questlove. This is a book by Questlove, and it's called Music is History. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool. I'm not very far into it, but I'm really enjoying it. 
Um, and it starts in 1971, which is the year that he's born, and talks about how music reflects, influences, or participates in what's going on around it, how it documents history. But it's also sort of a biography in the sense that this is sort of the music that also documents his life, his taste in music, the changes in his perspectives over the years. And it's a it's a really fascinating book. I'm learning a lot of stuff that I might not have learned before and introducing me to some, you know, great old soul records that I might not have heard at the time, like from 71 up through, uh, I think I'm on chapter 1974 right now. And each chapter starts with a list of just the key events, historical, cultural events that happen in that year, just to sort of set the stage to kind of give you a context for the music that he's going to be talking about in that chapter. It's a great book, and I am super excited about finishing the rest of the book because I've got another book that just came out also that's next on my list that I'm going to be moving on to uh, from this, and it's called, uh, I think it's called Rock Concert, and it's basically an oral history of live music from performers, from audience members, and I'm so excited to read it. But I got to get through Questlove first, and thoroughly thoroughly enjoying quest quest loves book music in history do you have any picks that you didn't mention that you kind of want to give an honorable mention to i have one okay and we we kind of touched on it earlier but the metallica blacklist um so the concept of that album is basically it was the 30th anniversary of metallica's black album in 2021 so they remastered it put it out again on cd vinyl and what have you but accompanying it they put out this sort of tribute album sort of odds and ends album there are a few live performances by metallica of songs from the black album a few demos but also a bunch of covers from a ton of different artists um as diverse as as rob said idols uh ghost do a version of enter sandman as do weezer uh, St. Vincent does a track. Uh, you've got some like rapper from India doing a version of um, The Unforgiven. And it, it's just, it's really interesting to hear these various interpretations of all of these songs from the Black Album. Um, some are very, very similar to the source material. Weezer's Enter Sandman is virtually identical and I think very, very boring as a result. I agree you, with you on that. Yeah. yeah, but but you hear what like St. Vincent did with her cover or even Ghost's interpretation of Enter Sandman where they started out with a piano before doing something a bit more conventional. But like just hearing those different interpretations is really, really interesting to me. And I want to give a particular shout out because I never thought I would say this to Miley Cyrus's cover of Nothing Else Matters, which has... Dude. Yes, a cast of like thousands on it. Like Andrew Watt <laughs> does the guitar work, Elton John does the piano. You've got Yo Yo Ma doing the strings on it. It's so good. Yes, and and that kind of led me into actually investigating her a little more. So I checked out um, her last album, Plastic Hearts, which mm -hmm. actually came out in 2020, and mm -hmm. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a track on there with Billy Idol that is phenomenal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from those um, those sessions, she also did a cover of Blondie's Heart of Glass, mm. which is, you know, she can't hit the notes because she has destroyed her voice over the years from smoking too much weed and screaming too much and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> she will freely admit that. Um, but she, so it's obviously in a different key and it sounds quite different, but it works really, really well. So that tr- contribution to that compilation has made me really go and reevaluate her. And yeah. I'm impressed with what I'm hearing. Yeah. Is that the same album that has the song Midnight Sky? I where think she so. where she uh, basically built a song around Stevie Nicks's Edge of Seventeen? Yeah. Oh yeah, my god, it is so cool. Album. It is so cool. So yeah. Rob, do you have any do you have any Yeah, I um I have been weirdly fascinated mainly because i really like like this sort of um particular time of like english pop from like the the mid 80s it's like the c86 sort of jangle thing but i also love like the heavy reverb stuff too but so right now the closest thing we have to that is happening in san francisco and oakland there's just like this amazing uh scene in in the bay right now and i talked about the umbrellas earlier but there's a band called the reds pinks and purple the reds the pinks the reds pinks and purples and it's basically glenn donaldson he's been in a whole bunch of other bands and um it's kind of like if steven if like uh steven merritt from the magnetic fields were singing morrissey songs that weren't (laughs) depressing but they're really good it's like it's like a really great like warm coffee cold day record right and he's putting out the amount of stuff. Like if you look him up, look him up on Bandcamp, right? The guy's putting out a record like every other week. It's like <laughs> it's like unbearably frustrating, right? He's making like he's bringing bedroom pop to like a whole new thing. And the songs are really they're sweet, they're great. There's all you know, the subject matters are terrific. Uh, his record Summer at Land's End is great. Uncommon Weather's great. Um, Uncommon Weather is the most recent one. He just put out a Christmas single as well. But, um, you know, he's got these great pop songs, you know. They're just awesome. Um, you know, like, I hope I never fall in love. I wouldn't die for anyone. I'm sorry about your life is my, my personal favorite. Um, followed by the record player and the damage done, which may be one of my favorite records of the year. Um, but he's a storyteller, but he's also a very, very good crafted song you know, musician. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's great. Great stuff. I've got a few things that I was considering on my list of five. Um, The recent Foo Fighter album, Medicine at Night, I really, really enjoy. Taylor Swift's redo of her Red album, I'm loving much more than I ever expected that I would. Frampton Forgets the Words, which is an instrumental album that Peter recorded um, and released this past year, which um, is really good. Uh, He takes uh, rock songs and makes them instrumentals with guitars covering the melody lines and things like that. And one of the standouts on the on the record is Loving the Alien, a David Bowie cover. Frampton toured with Bowie on the Glass Spider tour. And Loving the Alien was a song that featured the big Peter Frampton guitar solo in the outro. So that was sort of like his uh, spotlight song in the show. And he does a new version of that on this album, and it's just fantastic. Um, And one other one is uh, a group called, a new group called Silk Sonic, which is a sort of an R&B band put together by 
Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. And it's very old school, very yeah. 70s funk. I mean, to the point where it has appearances by Bootsy Collins on it. And uh, the, the only reason that I don't think it actually made my list is because it leans a little too heavily into the, the slow jams rather than the real funk, you know, dancey kind of stuff, which I love. And their ballads, their slow jams are really good. It's just, t- for my taste, too many of them. So that's the only reason that it didn't make it on the list. So that's sort of some of my uh, picks from this past year. What are things that you're looking forward to in the coming year? So I have five that I'm really, <laughs> really looking forward to. Awesome. So I- I'll go through them quickly. I'm not going to speak about any of them at length. I think I've already mentioned at least one or two of them. Um, so firstly, Porcupine Tree with Closure Continuation. I've spoken at length about my love for anything Stephen Wilson does. And bringing back Porcupine Tree for me is the icing on the cake. That is the collaborative album that he mentioned mm. when he said he was delaying or not touring for the future bites uh, very very much looking forward to that in the prog sphere i'm also looking forward to marillion's 20th album an hour before it's dark i think that comes out in january or february um mm. and i've loved marillion for uh, about 16 years now so they're the band i've seen in concert the most at 10 times very very excited for that uh, Ghost are going to be coming out with a new album. They haven't announced the title yet, but you know, I love me some Ghost, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what they do. The lead single from it, Hunter's Moon, was excellent. Um, that was a great forward... song. Yeah, really, really love fun. it. Love it. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing kind of how they they continue their uh, band narrative with their with Papa Emeritus the fourth and what happens with him uh, before Tobias uh, Forge decides to ditch him and create a fifth Papa Emeritus to bring on as his new persona. But um, <laughs> fourth one I'm looking forward to, there's a band called Battle Beast who are a Finnish power metal band, female fronted. She's got a big, powerful voice. Uh, they've got an album coming out called Circus of Doom which should be a lot of fun. They've released a couple of tracks off of it so far, and um, it's shaping out, shaping up to be really good. And then the fifth one hasn't been formally announced for 2022, but I'm really hoping it makes it out. And that is Suede have said that they are working on new material. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and their last couple of albums um, have been really, really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the next one. Brett, talked about it potentially being a short and aggressive album uh which could be quite quite interesting mm. so very very excited for those five that's cool rob what are you looking forward to in 2022 um so i'm looking forward to in february the new record from spiritualized called everything was beautiful uh the first single from it is just amazing and jason pierce is just great at making these like sweeping great melody records uh, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Johnny Marr has been releasing EPs one at a time, and they're all going to be collected on an album called Fever Dream. Yes. Um, and I'm very excited about that as well. His yes. Streaming what I've concert- heard from that so far has been really good. Yeah, and he's putting some electronics in, in his sound too, which has been good. Mm-hmm. And then what I think is probably going to be my favorite record of next year, um, it's 18 songs, 
And again, the new trend in releasing records is to do them in pieces online. But mm -hmm. Beach House have a, a record out called Once Twice Melody. It's 18 songs. This is going to make them huge. Um, they've spent three years working on it and basically like basically telling the label, just leave us alone. We'll tell, let you know when it's done. And they're on Sub Pop, so they can do that. They're like, just go away. They literally told them, go away. We'll let you know when we're done. We'll meet with the art department. <laughs> We've got everything. They basically handed over all the artwork to the, to the, the, the this is how we're going to release it. This, I mean, they had the whole thing figured out um, ahead of time, which was uh, extraordinary. Um, I think it's going to be great. And then uh, there's a band that used to be known as British Sea Power, but now they're just called Sea Power. Um, be, and they have a record coming out called Everything Was Forever, and they sort of have that. Um, they write they write songs about like birds and you know Lindbergh and just bizarre stuff, and <laughs> they're they're just but they're really epic and good, so I like them, and I'm looking forward to that. And um, April is the uh, release of the first record from Wet Leg, uh, who are from the Isle of Wight, um, yeah. which a lot of bands aren't from. And uh, they sold out uh, five shows in New York in six minutes. And um, they're touring the States. They've got only four tracks on different platforms right now. And they just did an NPR desk concert. And they're going to oh, be huge. Very cool. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's disgustingly catchy. Um, and it's clever and catchy. The wordplay in it's clever. And... Um, yeah, and they don't take themselves too seriously too, which is fun. It's uh, pretty pretty nice. So, okay, yeah. so yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, I'll have to look for that tiny desk show. Yeah, I was just watching some of those uh, last night, and um, I'll look for that one definitely. Yeah. All right, so that is our show. Thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, so, Alan. Will... Yeah. Before we check out, I have a question for you. So oh God. Okay. I, I, I know you said that you hadn't really thought about what you might be looking forward to next year, but as Rob and I have talked about the things that, that the two of us are excited about, did anything that we talked about kind of resonate with you and potentially get you excited? Uh, yes, definitely ghost. Okay. Um, that's yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I think that's, that's something good. that I wasn't really thinking about when I was kind of looking through my stuff as far as things that were on the horizon. But uh, bringing that up, yes, I am definitely, especially um, from you know my reaction to the first single from it. I, I'm I'm very interested in what's happening with that. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh yeah, the Johnny Marr stuff. Um, he just released the second EP. So basically the full album will be out before the full album comes out, which is insane. Uh, but the second EP uh, uh, just came out, I guess, this past week. And what I've heard from it, I've really, really liked. So I'm looking forward to hearing more of that and hearing the complete collection when it does hit. So that's my things, I guess. I think from, <laughs> Rob's, from Rob's list, I'm interested in Sea Power. Um, I haven't listened to them yeah. in years, but I'm thinking mm. now might be a good time to give them a, another run. I mean, I think the I, first I record, to them. the first record is really, really great. The second one got kind of weird. And then the way the record with waving fly, like the, we like rock music, whatever was interesting. Um, and they did a couple like scores for silent films. And 
some other interesting things. And um, yeah, I just think they're they're intriguing. Yeah. Do you like rock music? I think was the last time I listened to them. Um, that was roughly yeah. when I was in college. And then I kind of lost interest because my taste moved on. But um, I'll definitely check them out when the new album comes out. Did you lose interest when they stopped calling themselves British Sea Power? <laughs> so that was only uh, last year, or maybe even early this year that they. I think it was early this change. year. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I get it, was, it, but it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, they they dropped it because they felt like there's a rising tide of nationalism across the world, and they don't want to be associated with it. And I'm kind of thinking, you guys were here first before any of this bullshit. You you have the right to that name. I mean, and fair people play. aren't gonna. Co-op. I mean, fair play. They they have the right to that name, but they also have the right to change it. Yeah, sure. So of course. I'm not too mad about it, but equally, I don't necessarily think it was really necessary. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. And we will be back again soon. Uh, we can check out our past episodes on wherever you're listening to this one, which is Podbean or Spotify or Apple or wherever. And definitely dig our YouTube channel where we have lots of stuff collected over the past year, um, both under this moniker and under previous names, but it's all in one channel. Anthony, where can folks find you on the internet? You can find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, where we are watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 to now. And at the time of recording this, we have just put out our episode on Day of the Daleks. So we're currently in season nine, which was rather enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Rob? Uh, You can find me on KDHX on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 Central or streaming online at kdhx.org. Um, also on um, uh, needcoffee.com through the podcast and also the website and uh, some other stuff here and there. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again soon. Take care and see you soon.